Radio Indiana, WIBC, Indianapolis. Parole in a 20-year-old murder case. And this is WIBC News. May 1965, when 16-year-old Sylvia Likens was tortured to death by members of the Banachewski family with whom the child was staying while her parents worked with a traveling carnival. We have another story of crime and punishment tonight from Indiana. This time the criminal is getting out of jail, but as Edie Magnus reports, not without a great deal of controversy. Under heavy security, convicted murderess Gertrude Banaszewski appeared before the Indiana Parole Board and asked to be released from prison after 20 years behind bars. I'm just asking for mercy, nothing else. Banaszewski was convicted of the 1965 brutal torture and slaying of a neighbor's child, 16-year-old Sylvia Likens. The girl was bludgeoned, scalded, tattooed, and starved by Banaszewski and her children while she lived in their home. Banaszewski was sent to prison for life. Banaszewski's request for an early parole from prison outraged victims' rights groups throughout the community who said she should never have a second chance. But in September, the parole board voted to give her that chance. Then protesters collected 40,000 signatures objecting to her release and staged a memorial funeral procession to Sylvia Likens' grave. The wave of protests persuaded a judge to vacate the earlier parole decision and order today's extraordinary hearing before the public. If uh, you try to go to Banaszewski lose, you might as well put me in prison because I would be in prison in my own home for afraid to go anywhere by myself again. Banaszewski told the parole board she's a born-again Christian. She burst into tears when asked to talk about her crime. I can't endure it, and I'm sorry. That's all I can say. And uh, I ask for forgiveness. That's all I can tell you. Once again, the board voted three to two to let Banaszewski go. Bottom line, you cannot bring someone who is dead and gone back to life. And I wouldn't be a member of this board if I didn't believe people could change. Banaszewski will be released soon, as she already has a place to stay, a new job, and a new identity, so she can try to lead a normal life. Edie Magnus, ABC News, Indianapolis. An American Crime, the true story of suburban housewife Gertrude Banaszewski, who kept a teenage girl locked in the basement of her Indiana home during the 1960s. Gertrude Banaszewski, a divorced mother of several children, agrees to take care of two girls, Sylvia and Jenny, while their parents travel with the carnival. Though her eldest daughter is a real troublemaker, Gertrude vents all her bitterness and frustration on innocent Sylvia. Gertrude imprisons the girl in the basement and tortures her, eventually encouraging her children to follow suit. It has been the most enduring nightmare of Indianapolis true crime story, the October 26, 1965 torture murder of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens. Other crimes have involved a greater number of victims, often including children, but the villains in those stories were hardened criminals or madmen, and their acts of violence played out rapidly with a span of minutes or hours. In the aftermath of grief and anger, good people could at least comprehend the chain of events that had just unfolded. On the surface, the Likens murder is not much different from any other murder of heinous crimes. It was a Cinderella story without a happy ending. A teenage girl left under the care of a strict autocratic whose idea of discipline is physical abuse that escalates until the abuse victim dies. If that were the extent of it, this case would likely have been lost to history long ago, like so many other forgotten murders. 
Sylvia came from a large poor family from southern Boone County, just northwest of Indianapolis. Her father, Lester Likens, had only an eighth grade education and worked a lot of different jobs to make a living. He had a laundry route, he worked in factories, and he owned a small restaurant, although unsuccessfully. He had also traveled with carnivals selling food from a concession cart, and this was the work to which he and his wife decided to return in the summer of 1965. That meant finding someone to watch four of their children, the oldest Diana, was grown and married. The two boys, Danny and Benny, were placed with their grandparents, and that left the girls, Sylvia and Jenny. Jenny was shy, insecure, and limp from childhood polio. Sylvia was outwardly more confident and went by the nickname Cookie. She was pretty but always kept her mouth closed when she smiled because she had a missing front tooth. A mutual friend introduced the Likens to Gertrude Banachewski, then briefly going by the name of Gertrude Wright, who lived in a big rented house at the corner of East New York and Denny and was willing to look after Jenny and Sylvia for 20 hours a week. Gertrude was already caring for seven of her own children, Paula, John, Stephanie, Marie, Shirley, and James and Dennis. The six oldest children all had their last name Banachewski because their father was Gertrude's ex-husband, John Banachewski. The youngest child, Dennis, had the last name of his father, Dennis Wright. Gertrude said he was in Germany serving in the army. From the beginning, there was a clash between Sylvia and Gertrude's 17-year-old daughter, Paula, and this was the seed that grew in that house during the months of July through October of 1965. Then one day, the money order from Sylvia's parents didn't show up on the day Gertrude was expecting it. Jenny later testified Gertrude took us upstairs. She slapped me and said, well, I took care of you bitches for a week for nothing. Even though the money order arrived the next day, but the key had already been turned. Gertrude was frail and underweight, but she had two weapons she used for corporal punishment a fraternity-style paddle, and a thick leather belt left behind by her ex-husband, John Banachewski, who was an Indianapolis police officer. Gertrude began using the paddle on Sylvia and Jenny for various offenses, such as exchanging soft drink bottles for change at a nearby grocery. When she suspected Sylvia of stealing, she used matches to burn the girl's fingers. Sometimes Gertrude felt too weak from her asthma and to discipline the girls properly, so the 17-year-old Paula helped. Neighborhood children began to crowd the home to participate in the torture. The children took turns practicing their judo on Sylvia, hurling her against the wall. Some began kicking and beating her, others extinguished their cigarettes on her skin. As Gertrude and the gang of teenagers watched, Sylvia was forced to undress in the living room and insert an empty coat bottle into her vagina. After the beating, Sylvia was forced into scalding hot baths so she would be cleansed of her sins. She was severely beaten and burned for wetting her mattress while asleep, and Gertrude decided that Sylvia was no longer fit to live with her children. Near the end, Sylvia was no longer permitted to leave the house. She was thrown down the cellar stairs and locked in, getting crackers for food and refused the right to use the bathroom. Gertrude Banachewski announced to her children that Sylvia was a prostitute and she's proud of it. Someone just put that on her stomach. She took a large needle and began to carve the words, I am a prostitute and proud of it, into Sylvia's stomach. Richard Hobbs, a neighbor boy, finished the etching. Sylvia Likens died October 26, 1965. The cause of death was determined to be brain swelling, 
internal hemorrhage in the brain and the shock induced by Sylvia's extensive skin damage. Sylvia also suffered from extreme malnutrition. She was buried at Oak Hill Cemetery in Lebanon. This case was somehow more disturbing than other crimes, perhaps because the abuse was carried out not just by the caregiver, the notorious Gertrude Banachewski, but also by her own children, same as as the same age as the young ten-year-olds, but other children in the neighborhood. For weeks, even months, the torture of Sylvia Likens was a casual entertainment, something to do in the afternoon before dinner in favorite TV shows. At least a dozen children participated for at least, and they watched, and none felt sufficiently disturbed to tell their own parents. Other adults occasionally came to the Banachewski house for various reasons and saw Sylvia's battered appearance, but none pushed to be sure she was safe. Sylvia herself and her younger sister Jenny had opportunities to tell adults at school or church. They even had adult relatives living nearby. Neither said a word because, as Jenny would later explain, they thought it would only make things worse. Neither could conceive the possibility that authorities would move to protect them, remove them from the house, and arrest their tormentors. Arrest did come, but only after it was over. On October 26, 1965, Indianapolis police were called 3850 East New York Street, where Sylvia's body laying on a mattress. Banachewski told them the girl had been attacked by a gang of boys, and she even produced a note written in Sylvia's own hand that seemed to confirm the story. But the cops could tell by the condition of the victim that she had been in no single accident. Sylvia's body was malnourished and covered with sores, burns, and bruises, many of them old. She had been branded in one spot by a hot metal object, and the words, I am a prostitute, had been etched on her stomach. After her trial the following year, Banachewski denied any knowledge of the torture, claiming the children must have done it all. She entered pleas of not guilty and not guilty by reason of insanity. On May 19, 1966, a jury found Banachewski guilty of first-degree murder, while Apollo Banachewski was found guilty of second-degree murder. Hobbs, along with Banachewski's son John and another neighborhood boy, Coy Hubbard, were convicted of manslaughter. Gertrude and Paula Banachewski were sentenced to life terms in the Indiana Women's Prison in Indianapolis. The boys were sentenced to two 21-year terms in the Indiana State Reformatory in Pendleton. In 1971, the Indiana Supreme Court granted Gertrude and Paula Banachewski a new trial due to prejudicial atmosphere but Gertrude was again convicted of first-degree murder on August 5, 1971. Paula pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of involuntary manslaughter and served about two years in prison. The three boys were released on a parole for good behavior in 1968 after serving about two years each of their sentences. In December 1985, Gertrude Banachewski was released on parole. She changed her name to Nadine Von Fossen and moved to Iowa, where she lived in obscurity until her death from lung cancer on June 16, 1990. Paula married and moved to a farm in Iowa. John became a lay minister in Texas and counseled children of divorced parents. Hobbs died of cancer at age 21, four years after being released from reformatory. Hubbard was had several brushes with the law, Lester and Betty Likens divorced, Barry remarried in 1988 at age 71. Jenny Likens Wade died of 2004 at the age of 54. When the case broke, Paul Page was our anchorman and the late Bob Hoover, our street reporter. 
The following is an excerpt from a 1965 newscast in which Bob Hoover spoke with Richard Hobb, who explained what he did to the girl. All I did was write up that thing on her stomach, and then I hit her about 10 or 15 times. But how come? Well, most because the girl he told me to. Hoover then spoke to one of the Banachevsky children, who told him how the victim was treated. She refused food. We tried to get her soup every once in a while, and stuff like that, and she wouldn't take it. Well, how about these scratch marks on her stomach? Who put them on her? I did. Why? Well, Gertie just thought of it. She said, since you branded us, we're going to brand you. So she itched in with a pen, and I went over it. She showed me how to do it, and then I went over it. I, I did it. Did you ever use any hot irons on her? No. Yeah, I, that three on her stomach, I did half of that. Mm -hmm. And Shirley Ann did the other half. Where'd the S come from? What do you mean? There's a big S branded on her stomach, right? That's, one of her breath. that's huh? what I'm talking about. Well, that's what you're talking about. Well, how about the inscription on there, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. Who put that on? I did. Did you scratch it on there, paint it on there? How'd you do it? Well, like I said before, Gertie wrote it down there with a pen, and I did the rest. Mm -hmm. She showed me how to do it. And had Gertie abused this girl? Yeah. Gertrude Banachevsky, however, had a different story. I did never beat that girl. Never. She was beat up on by other girls. In fact, my own daughter stopped in her jaw and broke her wrist. And uh, so, I mean, there you go. And, and, and girls around the neighborhood beat her up, bloodied her nose. I, one girl broke her nose, in fact, I think. Were you ever in contact with the police on any of these occasions? Well, in the last two weeks, I, in fact, um, uh, I think if, if you talk to my daughters, I'd ask them that the children's father and I are divorced. And he's a policeman in Leech Grover was. And uh, I've asked the girls to repeatedly call their dad and ask them what to do. And in fact, I, I asked Jenny, I said, Jenny, and, and I told Sylvia, I said, Sylvia, I'm going to have to call the police or somebody because I can't have any responsibility. But the police were called only one time. And according to Hobb... Well, she, uh, she I come in and about, she come up from the basement and we noticed she's cold and everything, so we carried her upstairs, give her a warm bath and artificial respiration. When, well, she stopped breathing. See, we gave her a warm bath, and then she stopped breathing. And so I gave her artificial respiration for about 10 minutes, and then uh, well, I went and called the police. By the time police found the girl, she had been dead some 8 to 12 hours. To sum it all up, it is a nightmare come to life and death in 1965 Indianapolis. The torture and murder of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens at the hands of the woman entrusted to care for her stands as one of the most harrowing and unthinkable atrocities in the annals of American crime. The house where Sylvia suffered and died was demolished on April 23, 2009. Her memory, of course, remains. There have been books, films, and TV shows that have attempted to both dramatize and make sense of what seems like and in a perfect world would absolutely be impossible. Some of those examples are House of Evil, the Indiana torture slain by John Dean in 1966. The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum. The movie The American Crime, or An American Crime, 2007. Directed by Tommy O'Haver, casting Ellen Page, Catherine Keener, and James Franco. And also the movie Girl Next Door. Directed by Gregory M. Wilson, cast Blythe Aperoth, Blanche Baker, and Madeline Taylor. All these are not easy to watch. 
this is the first authentic Sonic American film I've seen, according to Stephen King. Even though this tragic and horrible crime happened to poor Sylvia Likens, her memory will live on in our heads and our hearts. May you rest in peace, Sylvia. On the next episode of the Horrorverse, join me as I talk about Jeffrey Dahmer, also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster, an American serial killer who took the lives of 17 males between 1978 and 1991. His arrest provoked criticism of local police and resulted in an upsurge of popular interest in serial murder and other crimes. <laughs>